Think you know sports better than Brady does? Text in with your thoughts at 802-585-3026. Now it's back to the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV AM, FM, and WDEVradio.com. Welcome back in. Brady Farkas Show right here on WDEV, AM and FM, WDEVradio.com. It is a Thursday. We're talking with the ESPN MLB insider Buster Olney, and that's good. Buster with us a little later than usual today. We love having Buster on, and today especially, you know, I just talked about the Red Sox. I need more baseball talk to to sanitize myself from thinking about the Celtics right now. I need a... Uh, I, I need a, this is a, a a welcome break right now from my seething anger at the Celtics buster. Well, maybe a distraction, right? Yeah. After some frustration uh, after that uh, that fourth quarter last night. I do want to ask you this, right? We've talked a lot in these NBA playoffs about Jimmy Butler and the idea of killer instinct and the idea of playoff Jimmy Butler. You covered those great Yankee teams of the mid and late 90s. So you saw a lot of Derek Jeter. And like Jimmy Butler, Derek Jeter was was great no matter what. But he elevated himself in the playoffs. How do some guys just turn it on even bigger when the lights are brighter? I think it's because they, I mean, it comes down simply to controlling their heart rate. And it, and it sounds like a simple response, but I really think that's what was going on that, uh, you know, for Derek Jeter, playing in the postseason was the same as playing in the regular season. And, in fact, I think his career batting average, I don't have the numbers in front of me, is basically identical as it was during the regular season. And I I think Jimmy Butler, you know, shares the same sort of thing that Derek had, and I think Mariano Rivera had this. They absolutely assumed that they were going to win. Uh, you know, when the Yankees dynasty ended in the, in the 2001 World Series, when Arizona came back, I never forget, you know, that's a team that had won four World Series in five years. And you, know, you look over and there's uh, Paul O'Neill being very circumspect and Scott Brocious being circumspect and Tina Martinez. There was one guy in that clubhouse who was mad, and that was Derek Jeter, because mm. he felt like we had a lead in the ninth inning and we lost. What are we doing? He just there was a different perspective about winning and losing for Derek, for Rivera, and maybe for Jimmy Butler than there are for other players. The idea that Jimmy Butler, uh, you know, could uh, could drive an eight seed potentially into the NBA Finals is something that uh, a lot of people, other than Jimmy Butler, didn't think was possible. You know, I had never, I've never thought about this until this moment. So I don't know if this is the world's greatest epiphany or the world's stupidest comment, but I wonder. How much of it is a guy like Jimmy Butler or Derek Jeter? How much of it is them elevating? Or how much of it is them just capitalizing on other guys clamming up in the big moments? Is there something to that? No doubt about it. Uh, and Because I covered players who were great players, and, and, it's, and I don't mean to denigrate them as people, because uh, I think I would have had the same trait to think too much you know, in a big moment, and they get completely seized up because they want to – they, they want to uh, so badly perform well that they got caught up in that, in that, uh, you know, that pressure. Roger Clemens, to me, was a guy who did that. Like, he struggled in the postseason for a lot of years, got ejected, you know, while he was with the Red Sox game in that playoff game against Oakland because he just got so wound up. Where, on the other hand, you know, guys who could keep their heart rate in place, and I think Derek was one of those, David Wells 
with someone who in the postseason, you know, that I covered, Orlando Hernandez, uh, El Duque. Mm-hmm. He was another guy who did that. Madison Bumgarner in recent years clearly was a guy who in the postseason he seemed absolutely relaxed. That That is a trade, and, and, and those guys will be in a position to take advantage of, you know, someone like a Roger Clemens who puts a lot of pressure on himself. Buster, we'll get to the Red Sox momentarily. You saw him over the weekend on Sunday Night Baseball. But uh, a, a little bit of cool history this week happened that ties into Vermont. It, it happens to be with my Mariners, but I'm sure you saw this. Cal Raleigh, whose who's family is from Vermont. Cal is not, but his whole family is from Vermont. His dad coached at the University of Vermont before the program got cut. Uh, became the first ever catcher to Homer from both sides of the plate at Fenway Park. 112 years, Fenway Park. Jason Veritek never did it. Jorge Posada never did it. Cal Raleigh, Homer from both sides of the plate. That's a cool Vermont history tie-in this week. I love that. I saw that note. Uh, that was really cool uh, because, let's face it, whenever I get a chance to, to tie in Vermont and Major League Baseball, I definitely <laughs> will do that. And what would you say? His his mom, if I remember the story, his his grandmother drove down. Yeah, his gra- his grandmother drove down from Vermont. His whole family uh, on the dad's side is from uh, from Swanton, up near the Canadian border. And his dad was a phenomenal player at Missisquoi Valley Union High School. So was his brother, state champions. He uh, coached at UVM. He went on down. He uh, coached at Western Carolina, and he was the head coach at the University of Tennessee. So it's a great baseball family originating in Vermont. Yeah, I I can't wait. Uh, the next time we see the Mariners uh, that do that. And I would say this, you know, when I, I just know how these things are done, you know, when uh, you get ready for the home run derby, uh, I was thinking about potential, potential guys who might participate, and they always like to have a guy from the, the team that's hosting the, the home run derby to participate. Yeah. And you know what? If Julio Rodriguez doesn't do it, Cal Raleigh would be an interesting name, and that would give me a chance to uh, to talk to him about the, his Vermont roots. Well, that certainly would be very, very cool. Brady Farkas Show talking with Buster Olney here, as always, on a Thursday on DEV. All right, Buster, the Red Sox salvage the end of the homestand. They take two of three from my Mariners, but it's still a two and four homestand. I was talking about this yesterday on the show. They've got a nine-game West Coast swing now that begins tomorrow at Padres, at Angels, at Diamondbacks. And those are three teams with either with good records or great talent around them. This feels like not a make-or-break stretch for the Red Sox, but it feels like if you go 7-2, and two, that tells you one thing about yourselves, and if you go 2-7, and seven, that tells you something else as we head towards June 1st. I agree, uh, and I would say that after being around them over the weekend, we had them on Sunday Night Baseball you know, when they played the Cardinals over the weekend, I, I feel pretty good about that team. Hmm. Uh, I don't know if they're going to make the playoffs, but I feel like that there definitely is a confidence among that group uh, you know, between Nishida being better than I think a lot of people with other teams expected, uh, Verdugo playing really well, you know, a better catching situation than I think Connor Wong has turned out to be a, you know, a good player. Uh, and, and maybe now that they've got this, uh, you know, rotation, they're starting to figure out some of the rotation issues, moving Nick Pavetta to the bullpen. Um, I, I feel good about them. I, I, it's, you know, their biggest issue going forward, I think, is just how difficult the competition in the division is. You know, five at least good teams, ranging from good to great teams in the American League East, and we know this, at least one of them is not making the postseason. And uh, as we sit here today, that's the Red Sox. 
you know, James Paxton is a guy who, as a Mariners fan, I watched for a lot of years. I'm a big fan of James Paxton, and I know what he looks like when he's right. He was great last Friday night in his first start against the Cardinals. He was hitting 98 miles an hour. Are you are you a believer in Paxton being a real huge factor for this team, or do you still have some trepidation about his health? Because that's where I'm at. I'm still I'm still not all in because I've seen it too many times. Where are you on Paxton? Yep, I'm with you. Uh, and I'm with that on Sale, who I saw pitch on Saturday. Look, there's no doubt that he is. Uh, Sale is is being more aggressive, and I've heard this about Paxton too. In his delivery, the tempo in his delivery, in his big pitching mechanics, is enhanced. There's more energy to it, um, and I do. You know, I think both guys have probably reached the point of, you know what, I'm sick of being hurt. I'm sick of not, uh, you know, not being able to perform, and I'm just going to take it out on the opposing hitters, but. Look, if you're going to ramp up your velocity the way that Sale has, the way that uh, that Paxton apparently has, I didn't see with my own eyes, but throwing 98 miles an hour, then it probably is going to require more effort and delivery. And, and that does make me cringe a little bit because of the injury history. You know, I said to a friend who I watched the game uh, with the other day when watching Sale pitch, I was like, man, he was impressive with a lot of his first pitch sliders. But to watch him throw, it made my shoulder hurt. Hmm. So, you know. Fingers crossed you you hope he stays together. You know, this is something else I brought up yesterday, too, that I'm just starting to think about. I haven't really worked this this idea through yet, but Jaron Duran has played so well right now that it feels like the center field job could be his. And with Yoshida and Verdugo, your outfield is set. Adam Duvall is going to come back either end of June, early July. I can see a scenario where the Red Sox say, we don't need Duvall because Duran is so good and we offload him for something else that can help, or they keep Duvall and they offload Kike Hernandez. Could you see the Red Sox selling off one of these veteran pieces in order to buy something else of need? And I think Duran has precipitated that. No, I, I don't think so. I think they, first off, they saw what they saw out of Duvall early. He was, as you know, their best player mm-hmm. for a couple of weeks. Um, and I think that Alex will like, Alex Cora will like the, the flexibility of the potential matchups, you know, one lineup against right-handers, one matchup uh, lineup against left-handers. It's one of the strengths of the Tampa Bay Rays team. Um, and I, the other thing, too, is that I, you know, it's interesting because the rotation in the end, uh, the Red Sox did have to make choices. They did have to decide to move Pavetta to the bullpen as opposed to uh, having an injury basically decide make the decision. But I'm, I, I always sort of operate under the assumption that injuries will solve those questions. <laughs> yeah, certainly. You know, if, and if Duvall's a good player, I don't see the Red Sox moving him out unless they're out of the race. Buster, I want to ask you a, a question here. I don't want to put you in an uncomfortable position, so I'll ask it um, as benignly as possible. A lot of people had an issue with the Carl Ravitch question to Tristan Casas while he was mic'd up at first base. My only question for you on that, are those questions pre-approved by the team or are they all just kind of thought of on the fly? No, they. I think they leave at the discretion of the person, the announcer, who's doing the, you know, doing the questions. Uh, I mean, you can certainly have a conversation ahead of time, spitball, hey, we got Tristan on, what's a good thing to ask him about? Uh, we knew, for example, that, that uh, Carl knew he was going to ask him about uh, you know, getting sunshine and mm-hmm. lying out. Uh, and I would tell you about this. You know, I heard that interview in real time, and I knew exactly what Carl was asking him. And I think Tristan took it exactly how Carl intended it, which is, hey, you lost your mom, uh, you know, so for you and your brother, what does Mother's Day mean? And, and he used the opportunity 
to honor people who, as he mentioned, I'm paraphrasing here, essentially uh, served as surrogate moms for him. Yeah. And and I'll tell you this as well. Carl talked to Tr- Tristan because, uh, you know, some of the social media uh, backlash. Tr- he talked to Tristan on Monday, texted with him as well, and Tristan had no problem with it. I, I must say that when I listened to it live, uh, I, I I totally understood what Carl was going for. Tristan totally understood who he was going for. I, I thought the, the reaction was way over the top and, and off uh, you know off base. Well, no matter how people felt about the question, I think we all can agree that Tristan Casas' answer was was awesome, right? Incredibly mature, yep. um, incredibly thoughtful, and uh, you know, in, in difficult in the sense that you know, you're trying to answer a tough question while the game's going on, and then at some point Nolan Gorman comes down to first base and it kind of alleviates the whole thing. So the, the, the answer was excellent from Casas, no matter what your thought on the question was. Buster, Red Sox have won uh, two straight. Now they'll go to San Diego. Real quick, what is up with the Padres? Like, I mean, I'm following my own West Coast disappointment in the Mariners, but the Padres are even worse. Well, it's funny. The two teams that... You know, uh, idiots like me were talking about before the season started being all in with the Mets and the Padres. Yeah. And who are the two teams that are right now maybe the biggest disappointment, the Mets and the Padres? Yeah. Uh, look, they they were they were so fractured uh, in how they've been playing that Bob Melvin, their manager, who's not someone who's you know reflexively is calling team meetings, called the team meeting before Wednesday's game, and the Padres players essentially said, look, we got to stop talking about getting better and we have to start playing better. So I think you'll see a, a sense of urgency, which is what Bob is looking for before he went to that meeting. Well, game time tomorrow is 940. We'll have the coverage for you at 840 with the pregame show. Buster, uh, be well, and uh, we will talk in seven days. All right. That sounds great, Brady.